and a very warm welcome to a very chilly Vicarage Road where we have just seen the Hornets record a rather dull but very important 1-0 win over strugglers at Swansea City. We've reached the all-important 40-point mark. As you may be able to tell, I'm not John Mooney, I'm Kelly Summers and I'm delighted to say I am joined by two more familiar faces or familiar voices to you guys. Alongside me I've got Mike. Hello Mike. Hello, welcome to our 40-point pod party. Woohoo! And Jason's also here. It may be chilly, but we're warm on the inside, guys. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, feeling feeling pretty good right now. It's one of those games where there wasn't too much going on on the pitch, but we did the job. Absolutely, yeah. I think it was Swansea didn't really threaten. I think it's, we have to say it wasn't the most exciting performance from Watford, but I think really there's one job we had to do today. Get the three points, compound the misery from our friends from down the M4 and, and get us to that all-important 40-point mark. It, I don't think it was pretty. It was a pretty turgid stuff. Entertainment was pretty low on the agenda for both sides, wasn't it? Um, our goal came from a mistake, although we we had to we had to force it and, and Capu did well to finish it. But yeah, I think ultimately this is a moment to sort of reflect on the season and to take some great satisfaction with is there what six games to go and we can put our feet up we're safe another year in the Premier League third season to look forward to it's good stuff sounds a bit silly to say it because it was only a 1-0 win but it didn't feel like they were ever really going to get back into it did it no it was I, I thought we managed the game really well and I thought I would imagine Walter would be very pleased because what we did we managed the game we played safe passes when we were in our own half when we were in their half we started to up the tempo a little bit that's where it got a little bit horrid because that's where we were trying things that didn't quite come off. Passes were going a bit astray, but it was all happening there in their half. When we had the ball in our half, we were fine. We looked comfortable. We didn't look under threat. They tried to change it a bit. Didn't really make much of a difference. It was more when we made the changes that, that we started to look a little bit uncomfortable. But even then, we were all right. Never really in any danger. I would, I would say that was the one thing that bugged me throughout was the, I think, our final ball, whether it was a delivery into the box or just pinging the ball around all too often it was going astray there were a lot of misplaced passes today from Watford and perhaps that came from trying to keep the ball moving perhaps we were being closed down a bit more by Swansea as the game went on but I thought we were quite profligate in, in possession far too much and I thought we started quite well Niang was causing a lot of difficulty early on as, it, as, he, as, he, as he's pro proved he's capable of doing but we sort of petered out a little bit as the game went on but it's difficult to be too upset when yeah like I said 40 points but yeah that's Again, it was one of those games where it was Watford in microcosm, wasn't it? It's our season in microcosm. Some nice little, nice little passages of play, and um, that didn't quite come, didn't quite come off. And it kind of feels like that's been our, our season. It, lots of little kernels of of good stuff, not really followed up with uh, with enough of the uh, really good stuff, if you like. The conversation, so to speak, started about 2 p.m. when we got the team news today. Troy was back in, as we kind of all expected. Him really, no Craig Cathcart. What did you kind of make of of the lineup all to put out this afternoon? I, that that worried me a little bit when I saw that Cathcart was missing. I, I wondered then was Prudel in half fit because Cathcart's absent for whatever reason. Other than that, I think I was happy with the lineup. It was a lineup that had served us well, pretty much in our home games, um, last two home games. We, maximum points and Jan Matt starting which was pleasing to see with Holabas so proper full backs or <laughs> wing backs <laughs> at least not centre backs playing uh, playing out wide more than happy with the lineup 
Yamat frustrates me a little bit personally because I think he's so good going forward. He's so exciting. We saw it today. But defensively, sometimes it's a bit heart and mouth stuff I sometimes find. Yeah, he can be left wanting a little bit. But I think overall, that's probably the most solid we've looked defensively with that lineup. It's great to see Maps in there with, with Pruitt. I think that's a uh, that's a, uh, a centre-back pairing that people can sign up to because Maps is a good-looking lad as well. So him and Pruitt all together, <laughs> absolutely gorgeous couple of Little and large as well, aren't they? Well, yeah, uh, you might know more about that than me, Caddy. <laughs> but um, no, they looked absolutely magnificent. And Maps again, does, he's been fantastic. I thought he was great against West Brom. He's he, he didn't do anything wrong really at Tottenham, and he's just slotted back in. And I think that shows what a, what a consummate pro he is to be out of not play a, a first team game for so long, and then just to come back in and turn in uh, performances like that is absolutely great. But I thought, yeah, solid. We looked solid at the back. Gomez flapped a, a few. I thought today he went. I think it was a, a punch that ballooned up in the air and. Um, uh, could have caused this difficulty and then he, he completely misjudged a, a free kick in the second half and that was the only way Swansea really were going to get back into it was a mistake and we almost, almost did but yeah, largely speaking, defensively I thought we were, we were solid yeah, so no, no complaints in that respect I know I know, Jace, you were also impressed with Jose Holobas. It's easy not to mention him because he kind of plays week in, week out. We kind of know what we're getting from him, but he, he was solid today. Yeah, I thought he was. What what we've noticed, I think, over the last few weeks is the, the petulance is slowly being removed from his game and he seems to have calmed down somewhat. Which you need to, a, a man of his age, he's got a, a young lad in Niang now playing in front of him. Yeah. And he needs to show Niang how the game's played. He needs to be that sort of calm head behind Niang just to, to help him out on the pitch. Um, so that's gone. And today I thought he was he was excellent because I felt Swansea were targeting him. They seemed to be playing a lot of balls down the right for, I think it was Narsing to try and attack him. Would have had Norton coming up behind as well. Not not easy up against the pace of those two. Um, and the fact that Narsing got, got taken off, what, after about an hour, I think says it all. That... Uh, he had him in his pocket really he, he, he did the defensive work great he didn't panic when the when those sort of long balls over the top were coming in he's, he's even shorter than Mariapa isn't he uh, Holobas so he, he didn't worry about that he was very calm very composed took the ball down well on a couple of occasions and then attacking wise he was there supporting the Yang good performance up and down the pitch from Holobas I think, I think Holobas is something of a secret weapon for us I think he's he's accomplished defensively as Jason said he's absolutely the last sort of month or so he's cut out all the nonsense and he really looks like he's buckled down it's like a it's like he's grown up it's like he's had a good talking to from his mum and dad he may well have done um, and he's just sort of cut out all the nonsense and he just looks so much sleeker so much neater so much cleaner so much better as a defender and I don't think anyone's twigged really outside of Watford what a great player he is certainly going forward he's such a threat and I just saw the way the ref talked to him as well Lee Mason was sort of to get pointing and gesticulating towards him as if he was sort of like a five-year-old kid this guy's played countless internationals for Greece he's played Champions League football uh, he's played European football. He's some player, and uh, yeah, I think he's a little secret weapon. And I think if we can hang on to him over the summer, because it's going to be an interesting time ahead, I think he could be really, really important for us going forward next year. While we're singing the praises, Decore again, I thought was absolutely superb. The, what I loved about his performance today was the way he was—he was just marshalling that that midfield. He took control of it. He was sort of gesturing for people to move into here, telepointing where where to go. He was making himself available throughout. And he just makes that he makes that uh, midfield tick along with him and cleverly just make everything they do the hard yards between them and everything seems that allows Niang to do his thing it allows Kapu to do his thing allows Yanmat and Holobas to get forward and there he's just there sort of underpinning the whole thing 
and he is really, really, really starting to, to, to show his worth now. It's, I, was, I was thrilled with his performance. I think we're still yet to see the best of Tom Cleverley as well. He's still looking a little bit frustrated, but I love how frustrated he gets when he doesn't quite make the pass, when he misses the tackle slightly. I think you're right. I think there's definitely potential there for next, next season. It was one of those games where we had to use all three subs because we needed to run the clock down, um, and he did. What did you make of the changes, Jace? Well... <laughs> When he took Amrabat off, I was surprised he brought Cabaselli on. I'm guessing it was to react to them bringing, is it Borja on? Yeah. Um, so he's, you've got to give Walter some sort of credit for, for spotting that tactically and, and looking to make a tactical switch. But we just didn't cope with that at all. We then seemed to struggle. We couldn't hold the ball. And then he brought Akaka on. And then it all seemed to change again. And all of a sudden, we had someone to give the ball to up front who as we've seen in his little run that he's had in recent in the past month or so where he's just held the ball up so well he can take players on just so difficult for the defenders to get the ball off him because he's such a unit but he's, he's his control is great as well but good touch for a big man as they say <laughs> yeah. i think he was unlucky i don't think his goal was offside i don't I, he i don't think was offside watch me be proved wrong on match of the day tonight for the uh, how many podcasts we've done this this year? 27? For the 27th time, <laughs> I'd be proved wrong. But so, yeah, I think I've been not critical of Akaka, but I've been sort of highlighted what I think are his limitations. But I thought that was a superb performance today. He did exactly, exactly what Matsari would have wanted from him. Held the ball up, he showed a few little deft touches. He just it was impossible to get the ball off. He was great. On the flip side, I thought Cabaselli came on and he looked all at sea. I thought it, that was a that was a mistake bringing him. I think he was lucky. There was a there was a, certainly an arm raised in the in the uh, in the Swansea. Uh, no, it was in the Watford uh, Watford half, wasn't it? When Gomez got injured, I think there was a there was an arm from Cabaselli. Whether it was accidental or not, I don't know. Again, we'll see on on match of the day. But he just didn't look comfortable at all, and he was one that was giving the ball away a bit more frequently than I would liked, and he just didn't look as comfortable as perhaps perhaps the rest of them. Let's not go over the top. I don't think that was, like I said, at the top of the show. I don't think that was a vintage Watford display, but it was certainly compact, neat, professionally enough to, to get the get the game done and get the three points without too much of a of a crisis or the usual worrying, the usual nail-biting. And uh, if Jason and I had any hair to lose, I don't think we're going to lose any more uh, for the last couple of minutes there. It was uh, decent enough from Watford. A podcast made by Watford fans, fans. for Watford fans. From the rookery end. Now, Mike's surname is Parkin, and he has a son called Arlo. This is our feature, Michael Parkin's son. It gives me great pleasure to welcome a rather sad-looking Arlo to Michael Parkinson. Arlo, how are you? Bad. You're bad, aren't you? What's up? I've got chicken pox. got chicken pox, haven't you? So we'll keep this nice and quick. What makes you feel worse, Arlo? Watching Watford lose or having chicken pox? Watching Watford lose. Not much fun, is it? All right, get well soon, mate. Bye. A podcast by Watford fans for Watford fans. This is from the Rookery End. Now, as we can all concur from the bombardment of WhatsApp messages we've had off John this afternoon, he can't stay away from the podcast completely and he's even managed to get in it. So, John, take it away. Thank you very much, guys. Fortunately, couldn't be at the game today, but uh, a, bit, a couple of bits for the podcast. Firstly, uh, we are in the middle of trying to find uh, and or trying to trying to figure out who should be the player of the season. Uh, last week we had Andy from Hornets Nest uh, putting a case forward for Troy Deeney and the week before that uh, DCW David Cameron Walker saying why Gomez should be a player of the season. We've still got a few weeks to go and maybe we are doing this a bit too early but 
with the player of the season vote is on its way and it's important that as Watford fans we make our decision we make it the correct one so this week our friend David Levy is here to tell us which player he thinks should be the player of the season in a season where there hasn't been an obvious candidate for player of the season I'd like to make the case for valiant Valon Barami with creaking knees he's been a vital presence in midfield this season and one of the only midfielders in the squad who can actually tackle his astonishing energy and work rate have provided much-needed leadership in a team that often plays without responsibility or identity. He's even limited himself to six bookings this season. In particular, his performance at West Ham away stands out, where he drove Watford forward from 2-0 down and seemed to cover every inch of the pitch in East London. He was also brilliant in the first half at Arsenal, possibly the finest 45 minutes of Watford performance of the modern era, and provided the defensive platform that allowed Messrs Capu, Cleverley and Niang to drive the team forward. Meza Ozil was very lucky to be let out of Vallon's pocket at the end of the game. But perhaps Barami's value is most appreciated when his injury has curtailed his appearances. Despite the emergence of Abdullah Yaya Dukore in recent weeks, I can't help but feel that the gaping holes in our midfield that Messrs Ali, Son and Eriksson exploited so well at Spurs on Saturday wouldn't have been there if Vallon was playing. Now, I don't expect to see him at Watford next season because of his knees, and more's the pity. The Pozzos, as a priority, will need to sign a defensive midfielder. The thing is about Vallon is sometimes you don't know what you've got until it's gone. Oh, and he's got the best teeth at Watford since John Eustace. A good case put forward by David there, uh, and I'm sure Vallon will be the choice of many Watford fans uh, for his contributions this season, uh, more in the next few weeks. Now, we didn't have a going for Golden last week. Uh, the problem is... Henry Kelly's gone on a holiday. Yeah. Uh, so um, rather than waiting for him to come back, cause it's quite a big holiday he's gone on, uh, I've decided that this week uh, I'm going to play the role of Henry Kelly in Going for Golden. All you have to do is listen to the clues uh, and try and figure out if you can guess which Watford player, Watford place or Watford related anything that I am talking about. So let's get on. Going Hello, welcome to another Going for Golden. Yes, your chance to win some from the Rookery End points. Uh, all you have to do is buzz in whenever you like by pressing the pause button on the device you're listening to and have a guess at who or what or where this week's round is telling you about. If you're right, then you gain the last score that was said. If you're wrong, then you can continue, but your score won't count. So let's get on with this week's... Going for For five points. Who am I? Blessed with talent, I was actually once a cheesemaker. For four points, blessed with brains too, I have a couple of degrees. For three points, my autobiography is entitled Football, It's a Minging Life. For two points, I played for a decade with an undiagnosed ruptured knee ligament. For one point. After only one season, Watford sold me to Oldham, and that's whom I most associated with. And the answer shall be later 
in the podcast. Now, before I hand you back to Jason, Kelly and Mike, uh, extra bonus for you. Our friend uh, Ollie at uh, Hornet Heaven, who's been on the podcast a few times this season, has written us a special post-match reaction. You might have seen him do this on the at Hornet underscore Heaven Twitter and on their Facebook page. Post-match reaction to today's game. It's only a few weeks until Ollie uh, finds out if Hornet Heaven has won the best sports podcast at the British Podcasting Awards. We'll tell you about that when it, when it happens. If you haven't listened to the podcasts, then please go to iTunes uh, or to hornetheaven.com uh, and search for Hornet Heaven and you can find what are wonderful, wonderful stories um, to do with Watford Football Club. The two characters in this episode, Derek Garston, a 13-year-old boy who's been in Hornet Heaven for over 90 years now, but is still 13-year-old and he loves his stats. Plus, Bill Mainwood, the man behind the old programming hut at Vicarage Road. So how do they react to Watford 1, Swansea 0? Hornet Heaven. Post-match reaction. Bill Mainwood was in the programme office. He had his feet up on his desk. He was very happy with what he'd seen at the match. Suddenly, he heard Derek Garston, his 13-year-old assistant, rushing into the office. Sir! Sir! Hello there, young man. You seem excited. I am, sir! Today's game has given me an idea for a question for the next Hornet Heaven quiz night, sir. That sounds good, my boy. Is it one of your statistical questions? No, sir. It's more of a riddle, sir. Well, I'm feeling quite playful this evening, so go on. Riddle me, young man. OK, sir. Here's the question. Since 1881, which Watford player's surname best sums up the era in which he played? Bill knew the answer immediately. Success summed up the Pozzo era. But Bill was feeling too jolly to give a straight reply. It's a brilliant question, isn't it, sir? Well, I'm not sure, Derek. Oh, What's wrong with it, sir? There are too many possible answers, young man. What do you mean, sir? Surely there's only one. Oh, dear, Derek. You must have forgotten. In the early 2000s, we had a midfielder called Gary Mediocrity. Who, sir? I don't remember him. And back in 1972, we had a fullback called Ernie Shambles. Shambles, sir? Are you sure, sir? Derek bowed his head and turned to leave the office. I think I need to go and do my homework, sir. Bill tried hard not to smile. He decided he'd follow Derek in a minute and explained that he was teasing. Before he went, though, it struck him how his banter was actually a reflection of how much the Pozzo family had done for the club in the current era. Now he thought about it, it was truly amazing that someone called success playing for Watford wasn't in any way a joke. 
the end. it's all very positive here at Vicarage Road on the pitch at the moment but some news that some people or maybe will think is positive some won't it's always sad to see someone lose their job and this week Harry Kuehl left his post as the manager of the under 23s for anyone that does follow Watford they'll have seen some of their indifferent results since Kuehl took charge but Mike what did you make of it when you heard that what, what were your thoughts well, well first things first I'm not going to get you let you get away with calling the results indifferent I mean they were appalling quite frankly and uh, that most people picked up on that certainly on social media when people aren't the kindest I don't think about their football club anyway you got absolute pelters there but what I would say is that I don't think I'm completely convinced that the under 23 league or whatever it is is the right thing and I think it's not just um, Watford who, who aren't convinced on that I think a lot of football clubs a lot of uh, people in the in the papers and so on and so forth have said we haven't quite got that right that that development process getting them tested against um, getting tested in the right environment that's going to bring them through to first team level and I think that's recognised here at Watford as well because there was at the At Your Place uh, event here at, at Vicarage Road a couple of months ago and they said they were open and honest they said look it's very very difficult to get to get the kids through into the first team it's just an incredibly difficult job um, because you have to throw them in pretty much untested because the competition at that level they could be playing a 14 year old 15 year old 16 year old they could be playing against a trialist they could be playing against an experienced player so it's never it's not quite right so whether it should be judged on results is is open to debate i think and i just had a quick flick through the program and we've had four youngsters come through named in the named in the squad or made their debuts this year and brandon mason in particular really impressed when he came in so you could argue, results aside, yes, it's very difficult to, to, to uh, ignore all those L's in the, in the results column, but you could argue that four players coming through is a success, especially against the backdrop of a competition that isn't necessarily right and against the backdrop of, of the club themselves admitting that it's difficult to get players through. So I feel a little bit sorry for him and I'd be interested to learn whether they're going to use this as a, as a sort of line in the sand for sort of identifying what the purpose of that role is, what the purpose of that team is and where we see it going and, and what our expectation is for coming out the other end of it. So I'm sure Harry Kuehl will be disappointed and I think perhaps we've lost someone with quite a, little, a lot of um, a lot of experience and whether how, whether he was passing that on to players we don't really know um, we didn't really hear much from him so it's a, t it's a tough one it's an interesting one we've always said you know we've been big supporters of youth and the podcast and I think most football supporters are and we'd like to see that that churn continue perhaps against all odds it's happened this year but how, how it's going to happen in the future I don't know I don't, yeah, I don't know I wasn't sure how I felt about it either because it's uh, like you say we've had four players come through maybe more out of necessity than anything else because of the injuries we've had but equally though we know that the Potsdam model up to this point has been very much about getting a club into the Premier League establishment in the Premier League are not necessarily about getting kids straight into the first team they bought Kulim because of his record of working with kids elsewhere and for me it's the sort of thing that's going to take a few years to until you really know if it's a success or not so to see him go so quickly is was a little bit strange to me and I'm not sure why and I yeah. we know we know we said about the results and, and yes that okay 
it's not about results wholly, but then if you're going to be losing week in, week out, that's going to be a bit demoralising. So perhaps that did have a, an influence in the end on that decision. I also thought the timing was a little bit... I, for ages I was like, why have they done it now? Why not wait until the summer, kind of get the season out of the way? Because for me, disruption at this time, is it necessary? Or could it have something to do with the ones that are going to be offered contracts for next season? But then equally, on the flip of that, he's going to be the one that's going to know those players best, surely. So I just think it leaves us in a bit of a funny place. Yeah, I think, I think it's particularly difficult because I think the, the, perhaps the Pozzo family and, and Scott Duxbury might accept that when they first took over the club, they neglected, not neglected is the wrong word, but that certainly wasn't their focus, I don't think. That, that youngster development was something that perhaps was parked a little bit because they recognised through necessity, if we're going to get Watford into the Premier League, we're not going to do it by playing three or four youngsters every week. So I understand it, but... They see, they see, I think they've come round a little bit and realised that that's what they want the long-term value is in getting players through, selling them on, moving them on and so on and so forth. So perhaps it, it could have been cut a little bit, a bit more slack, but, but we'll see. The proof of the pudding will be in the eating. Who will come in? Will they promote from within? Um, who knows? Perhaps uh, Walter might be moved sideways to the, uh, the under-23s. Who knows? Is that what you're angling for? Would you like that? Um, I'm not sure, but it's going to be interesting, isn't it? That's, I mean, it still remains a big question. I think now we're at 40 points. I think it's an excellent opportunity for everyone to take stock, step back, take a deep breath and try and assess what the future holds and whether Matsari will be here next season, whether he's deserved his uh, an, another crack at it next year because ultimately we're going to stay in the Premier League and do it with six six games to spare, which is, which is comfortable by anyone's standards. Um, so I'm really interested now to see kind of you know, get engaging fans sort of a position on it. Whether people might soften a little bit towards him, because I know the largely speaking, the um, the mood towards him has been pretty pretty severe, hasn't it? But I have to admit, I've softened a little bit over the last couple of weeks, and I think that sums up what Watford's season's been like. It's been a bit of a roller coaster because we've had what three home wins on the bounce now without conceding a goal, and all of a sudden the world seems like a, a good place as a Watford supporter. Whereas you come away from Selhurst Park and you. You know, you're looking at a bottle of gin for breakfast. And uh, so it's been that kind of season, really, really up and down. And I think that hasn't helped Matsari at all. But, yeah, just fascinating. I'm trying to work out, as I talk almost, how I feel about it. So I don't know what I don't know what you guys think about it. I'm glad you just um, let us into one of your eating habits there. Gin for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> don't try that one at home, kids. Definitely don't try it at all, kids, in fact. But it, it does it does lead on. It's an interesting time of the season now, and obviously we're all very grateful to be at 40 points. It's where everyone wants to be. Definitely Swansea will be feeling very envious about that today. For me, though, maybe it's your grass is always greener. I get a little bit sad at this time of season. Not sad, but I get a bit scared, and the thought of the fact we've still got to play the likes of Chelsea scares me because they use the phrase on the beach, and I do worry now. I hope Mazzari sets them a real objective. And this is going to be a real test of his management to see how he manages this team for these last few games because they're not as important, but they're quite important for the future of this football club. For me, what will be interesting, I think, what will we get out of certain players? So, for example, we've seen Valen Barami come back today. Um, Rumours are he's heading back to Switzerland. So what's his motivation going to be for the rest of the season? How much of an opportunity is he going to get? Is is he is he done because Decore's done so well? Is it? Did you see him at full time. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, he looked knackered at full time, and he was holding kind of his legs. I don't know exactly because my mum, who I was sitting with, actually said, "How can he have got injured? He's only been on ten minutes." And you do worry, wonder that maybe his legs have slightly gone now. He's he's getting on a bit, isn't he? He's he is thirty two still younger than me and Mike <laughs> but, when was your last appearance <laughs> oh god <sorry. laughs> um, it's down to the individuals for me now I think what, what are we going to get out of them I, I really hope that we get to see 
some good performances again from the likes of Niang and Takore, who, particularly Niang, who said he wants to stay here. We want him to stay here. The, the fees agreed, so it, it seems to me 95% certain that he's going to be here next season again as a Watford player. But we'll need to see those performances from him, I think, to, to make that happen. Um, and then, I don't know, the likes of Holobas, who, again, he's getting on a bit. Where does he see his future? Are we going to see performances like we've seen from him today for the rest of the season? It's great opportunities for for these players to show what they can do against what we've already said are some very difficult opponents. You two buggers, absolutely skirting around the issue of Walter. I think what this what this really is for, for Matt Sari, this last six games, and you're right to point out that, that the players you know, on the beach, flip-flops on, all that sort of thing, they can't do that. But this is a test for Walter Matt Sari. This, I reckon this is, is, this is an audition. He's got a six-game audition to stay in the job. And as you both have highlighted there, he's going to face some challenges because there are certain players who perhaps might feel they're winding down their Watford careers. There's others who might have something to prove. There's others who just might coast into coast into summer because they know they're going to be here next year. They've got long contracts. They know they're needed. So this, for me, is the biggest test of all is, is Walter Matsari. And I think all eyes now are on him, not just from a supporter's point of view, because he's done, he's done what he's had to do now. And I think we have to take our hats off to him. We have to credit him for getting Watford to 40 points. Um, but now I think is this last little section of games is where he has to really prove to himself, to the team, because I think, you know, I was sitting in the Sir Elton John stand today, I saw him barking orders at, uh, uh, at Troy Deeney. Troy pulled a funny face, a sort of... This is going to lead me on quite nicely because this has been bubbling now for a few weeks, hasn't it? This It feels like there's a power struggle going on here. And we all know that Troy Deeney, he's been here longer than probably every other squad member, staff member, such has been the turnover here in recent years. And he is so, so important. We all love him probably more than our own families a lot of the time. <laughs> we do. He is Mr Watford. But ultimately, the manager, it just feels like at the moment, he Mazzari's tried to prove a point a few times, playing him over a Akaka. And if, if Mazzari stays... Is that going to put another question mark for another summer over the future of Troy? It shouldn't. It shouldn't. And I, I've, I haven't got a problem with Matsari dropping, resting, changing things up. The team hasn't been performing well, so we've, we've said it before. No one's, te- no one's place in the team is safe if you're not delivering three points every week. So I haven't got a problem with him resting, resting Troy, club captain, Mr Watford, whatever. I haven't Equally, I haven't got a problem with Troy being upset about not playing and being vocal about it. I'd be annoyed if I'd be more upset if Troy just sort of meekly sat on the... You know, we know Troy Dean, he's never going to sit meekly on the sidelines at any stage. But if he just sort of took it and sort of, you know, mumbled off and sort of said, OK, boss, yeah, no problem. I want him to be angry. I want him to be out on the pitch. I want him to be scoring goals for, for, for Watford and, and, and playing 90 minutes. So I fully expect that. You don't have to like your boss ultimately and you know I'm sure there's plenty of people listening you two are laughing so I don't know how you get on with uh, with your bosses oh, you're your own bosses you two aren't you it's more laughing than going to hope your boss isn't listening to this my boss is an absolute legend uh, love you if you're listening um, but you, you know you don't have to get on with your boss do you, you have, there has to be respect there has to be understanding you don't have to like each other um, so I think the job is Troy's to find if they had, there is an issue with Matt Sorry, he's got to find a way and I think he's probably he, he's pretty focused he knows what he wants to do he wants to play football I don't think he'd be disrespectful um, and so on and so forth but Matt Sari does have to work on making sure that his relationship with Deeney and ergo the rest of the squad and that he is seen as, as someone who can take the players forward develop them and, and take the club forward so that is he's got to do all that in the last six weeks because start six games because I'm not convinced that that enough of the players necessarily think he's the he's the man for them 
do not scratch your ears. You're listening to From the Rookery End. And just before we go, for those of you who've been playing along with Going for Golden at home, here is this week's answer. Earn. And the answer, Rick Holden. So that's all we've got time for on today's podcast party, the 40-point party. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a, that's about the sort, only sort of party I can get to these days. Getting on for 40 years old, I think I'm done in. But yeah, great. We're glad to be here. Really relieved, really happy and sort of just excited and enthusiastic and interested to see what, what's going to happen now. Let us know at Watford Podcast on Twitter what you think about Walter. Do you agree that it's sort of, sort of like a six-match audition? Have you made your mind up one way or the other? Be really keen to hear your views because like I say I'm still trying to work it out but at Watford Podcast on Instagram find us on Facebook Twitter we love hearing from you loads of people have been getting in touch this season it makes a massive difference so uh, yeah get in touch but yeah we're staying we are staying up it'll be alright Mike you'll be fine we'll be fine honest goodbye and hurrah brilliant thank you so much for listening we're sorry there was no drinks and snacks provided at this party Mike didn't even bring his gin along after promising it thanks so much for listening (laughs) 